Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Two thousand seven, I was on my way home from work and I uh, rolled my truck on the interstate. I was doing about seventy-five, and I got ejected out of my back glass. I broke um, three vertebrae in my neck, uh, all my ribs on both sides, my collarbone. You know, I was in the hospital for like a month and a half. They said I'd be there for three months. They told me I'd never walk again. I had was paralyzed on my left side, and you know I was in there for about three weeks. Learned how to walk again and. Uh, you know, they, they told me that I couldn't, and I just told myself I could. I, I think that's a miracle. My father-in-law was given only six months to live. He had stage three liver disease, ended up living for three years. I've had a broken ankle twice. I was healed just right away. I just, and uh, I've got a nephew that's in the ministry, and being around him, I've traveled with him before. I see, they, I, could not, I don't mean little miracles, but miracles happen all the time. We've been trying to have a baby for over five years. We went to multiple doctors and many of them told us that we don't know what's wrong but you just can't have any children. I did not accept that. Um, my husband and I prayed several times. Um, I remember crying many times um, at home, um, just asking God to give me a baby. And at the very last minute he actually did. He came through and I knew that he would. Um, I have a beautiful little girl that's two months old. I just remember the doctor saying, you're going to have to go through infertility treatments, and I just, I didn't accept that. I did not accept that. I knew that God is a miracle-working God, so that's my miracle. My miracle was when I was burned a couple of years ago in a kitchen fire. I suffered second and third degree burns on 15% of my body. And um, when I was being transported to the Army burn unit uh, near the city that I was from, uh, I was feeling very sorry for myself. I was in a lot of pain and I was worried about what I was going to look like when everything was said and done. And um, when I arrived at the Army burn unit, I met some great people who had suffered much more traumatic experience than I had. And it was a miracle that I survived. Miracles happen all the time. We have been invading the moments in Jesus' daily life during which signs interrupted his walk. Thirty-four times during the course of three and a half years, on 34 different occasions, signs, the supernatural overtook the natural, and wonders were worked, and his deity was validated by miracles. You will remember that in week one, I challenged you that signs should be following us. We don't chase after signs. We chase after God, and signs follow us. You'll remember that I encouraged you that we could not uh, assign signs to superstars. We have the same authority and anointing working through us, operating in us, and we could expect to see signs following us. You will remember that I have challenged you that our faith is in challenge right now, and that's what I've been waiting on is that I think that the Holy Spirit is challenging our faith that we should believe again. Last week I challenged you that we could not uh, allow a put-off to result in a walk-off where we just give up and quit praying and quit believing. we got to hold on 
to what Jesus has promised us. You will remember that last week I challenged you to hold on to the word of the Lord. Some of you received words of the Lord for over your life and over your children's life and over your family's lives years ago, and you've given up on those words because they haven't happened. And I've I've challenged you last week to hold on. Go back and grab onto the bare word of Jesus. We can take him at his word. He always comes through. So we've been looking at these miracles that Jesus performed, and we've worked our way up to the third miracle. We're moving fast. Can you tell? We're all the way, all the way to three out of 34. Uh, but this morning, I want us to focus on his third miracle. His third miracle is found in a couple of passages found in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34. But this morning, I want us to look at his third miracle out of Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. Now, I want to warn you before we go into this, that I feel like that uh, this word that we're going to share this morning is for those of us that believe. It's not necessarily a, uh, for the person that doesn't know Christ. This is for us as believers. It challenges us and what we really believe, whether we really believe about miracles and signs and whether Jesus still does what he says he would do, all right? So just there's your warning. Buckle up tight. It's going to get tight in here in a few minutes. Luke chapter 4, verse 31 says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to the evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So there are some lessons here that I think we need to learn. The first one is this, is if you examine this passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 4, what you discover is that the people that were there in Jesus' day, when Jesus would teach, they were amazed by his teaching, and yet we are bored and busy. I told you it was going to get tight. It says that the people listened to Jesus talk and because his teaching had so much authority and so much power and when he said something, something happened that at that moment when the word came out of his mouth that they were absolutely amazed by the authority that he exerted in any given moment. I bring that to your attention because I came to challenge you this morning that as you sit in Passion Church this morning, you are hearing the same words and the same teachings that Jesus gave when Jesus walked here physically. All we are doing is repeating what he said and saying what he said. And I wonder how many of us have become so accustomed to his power and to his authority and to his word that we no longer ascribe any amazement to that. Now we're bored. Wow, wow. We hear the words of Christ today, we count ceiling tiles. And yet those people in that day, when they heard the word of the Lord coming out of Jesus' mouth, they were absolutely blown away. Their jaw dropped in amazement. It shook their entire world. I wonder how many people hear us 
teach the same things that Jesus taught, because I know you're teaching people in your daily life, and you're talking to them about Jesus when you're at Starbucks, and you're talking about Jesus when you're at Johnny's Hamburgers, and you're talking and exemplifying Jesus in your daily life. I wonder how many people are actually amazed by the truth of Jesus that's coming out of your life. It's quiet in here. That's all right. See, I think we underestimate the authority of the truth that we know so well. How many of you have been in church more than 10 years? How many of you uh, have been in church more than 20 years? I won't ask the next one because then you'll show you how old you are. <laughs> I've been in church all my life. I wonder if we have so, so often heard the truth and so much learned the truth that now we underestimate the authority in the truth that we have embraced and we don't actually really believe. We say things like when people come to us with needs, with, with God, nothing is impossible. We just don't really believe that anymore. We quote verses of Scripture like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper but we really don't believe there's any authority in that anymore. We underestimate the authority that we have embraced and therefore what happens in return is because we have underestimated his authority, we now begin to undercommunicate his authority. I wonder how many of us sit week after week, have a take it or leave it attitude, treat with contempt the truth that we've already heard. If we really understood the authority of the teaching that has invaded our life, I believe that what would happen is, is, is that we would be the first on the scene when people need help, when people are looking for answers, when people need a miracle. We would be the first folks on the scene because we would understand that residing in us as we have embraced the truth of Christ in our life, that residing in us is authority to take command over those situations and to bring change. We would be the first people offering hope and deliverance. Y'all are so quiet this morning. That's all right. I'm going to keep preaching it until we get in. I feel like the Holy Spirit is challenging our faith. We have taken for granted the authority that we have access to. Those people were amazed. We're bored. And we're busy. No, hey, here, here's, here's our attitude anymore. Teach me something new. Listen, we don't even live up to the level of revelation we already have. Some of you have been taught truth after truth after truth. Why should we teach you something new when you're not even living in obedience to what you've already been taught? I need a new revelation. No, you don't. What you need to do is live up to the revelation you already have. Teach me something new and do it quick. Because, see, church is just something I got to do on my to-do list. I got about 90 other things to do on Sunday. You got to get me home before my pot roast burns, and you got to get me home before the Dallas Cowboys play, I don't, although I don't know why anybody would want to watch them play right now. Uh, you got to get me home before that key game. I got to see if Brett Favre is going to start. I got to get home. Listen, we're so busy that we don't have time to absorb the truth of God anymore, and so we don't know how to tarry. We don't know how to apply. We don't know how to walk out. We are so bored and so busy that we don't see signs. The second thing I see in this is this. We need signs in the sanctuary. See, I find it interesting that the folks in this synagogue were apparently unbothered by the fact that there was a demon-possessed man attending church with them. Now, 
I'm going to read into Scripture, so I'm giving you a warning right now so all of you theologians can crucify me later. I cannot prove that the, the demon-possessed man had been there before. But if he had not been there before and he showed up demon-possessed, I think they would have noticed. I think that he'd been there before, and I think that he was such a normal part of their normal weekly service that they didn't even realize that there was a man jacked up by the devil sitting next to them. They had become comfortable with the fact that evil had invaded their worship space, and it didn't even bother them. Y'all are amen to me, but it's getting ready to get tight. Because, see, I think what has happened is that we have become comfortable with demons coming to church with us. See, I, I wonder if there isn't some unclean stuff that is allowed to stay in our churches. I, I, I want to say this to you very carefully. A mediocre, forgotten, overlooked, and useless church is a church in which people can come and pray, and worship, and preach, and go through their spiritual, religious activities, and people walk in and walk out bound, chained up, in bondage to sin, in bondage to the devil, and we never realize it. The only church that will get the devil nervous is a church where people walk in bound, addicted, broken, in pain, in despair. They walk in and the authority of Christ is so established in the place that when they walk in, those chains fall off. I'm not talking about during the sermon. I'm not talking about during the altar call. I'm talking about when the greeter grabs their hand and says, Welcome to Passion Church. Sickness falls off of their body. I'm talking about when you sit down and you pat them on the back and say, Thank you for being here this morning. The chains of alcoholism is broken on their lives. I'm talking about so much authority established in this place that when they walk on, walk in here that the chains of drug addiction break off their life. That's the kind of church that will get the devil's attention. He'll let us play it safe, y'all. He'll let us do all the worship we want to do. It won't bother him a bit. He'll let us do all the praying we want to do. It won't bother him a bit. He'll let us do all the preaching and all the shouting that we want to do. But at the moment that we recognize that there is authority living in us and that demons shouldn't be comfortable in church, at that moment we'll get his attention. And see, I think that the religious people were more amazed at Jesus' ability to remove the devil than they were amazed at the fact that there was a devil comfortable in their church. We ought to be amazed by the fact that, that pornography is comfortable in the church. I told you it's going to get tight. I think we ought to be amazed this morning that some of you are able to come to worship service after worship service and worship with a spirit of prejudice all up in you. I, I think we ought to be amazed that some of you can walk into this place and, and, uh, with the spirit of depression all in you. I, I think we ought to be amazed by the fact that you can come and be comfortable in a church service when when addictions are all up inside of you. I want to say to you this morning, I don't want to play church. I don't want to come to a church where the devil's comfortable. I want to come to a church where people are set free. This guy was apparently comfortable there. See, I think we desperately need to see signs in the sanctuary. And I think our problem is, is that we have become so self-absorbed at church that we really think that church is about me coming to get my praise on and to get my, my dance on and I got to come and get what's mine and I need mine and give me mine and I'm holding out for mine. 
and we're so self-absorbed that we don't even recognize it when somebody that is so bound walks in and sits down next to us. And we honestly think in our mind, if I can just get the blessing I need to sustain me the rest of the week, that we don't even recognize the jacked up condition of the person sitting next to us. I'm preaching this morning. Y'all might not like this, but this is a reality. When you walk through Walmart, the Holy Spirit ought to be operating you at such a degree that when you walk past the young lady that's about to go home and commit suicide, something ought to be going off on the inside of you. Your dance doesn't matter anymore. Your praise doesn't matter anymore. Just because you got goosebumps at Passion Church on Sunday morning doesn't matter anymore. We cannot grow comfortable with no signs in the sanctuary. I think we need to begin to ask Jesus again to bring signs back to this sanctuary. I want to tell you this morning that that cannot happen in a church where folks just show up and go through their religious activities and their religious charades in the religious format. We will not see people's lives changed and delivered and set free in a church where we're just marking time. This is just what we do. We're good Christians. We come to church on Sunday morning. Congratulations. An appendix pen didn't win anybody. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all awful quiet. I hope you're taking this in. The type of church that can invade a community and change a community is not a church where only the pastor and only a few prayer people actually prepare before they get to church. Should the pastor prepare? Absolutely. Should the prayer people pray? Oh, yeah. Should the worship team practice? Absolutely. But that doesn't let you off the hook. That means that you've got to guard your Saturday night. You can't stay out to 6 a.m. on Sunday morning and then roll in here and expect to have any authority in your life. You're going to go to sleep. You've got to spend some time praying on the way here. In fact, you ought to be praying all week long. And then on Saturday night, you ought to go, glory to God, I get to go to church in the morning, and it's just the icing on the cake of what happened all week long in my life. You've got to prepare. You've got to get ready. We've got to see signs in this place. Third thing I see is this. Silence is a sign. Interesting exchange here. This man begins to yell out at Jesus, and Jesus' response, I like it, was, hold thy peace. Okay, now you've got to get the picture. They're in church. Right? They're not in the parking lot. They are in the sanctuary. And Jesus had to quiet the devil down in the church. I think we allow the devil to run his mouth too much. I think that we need to ask this question, how loud is the devil in here? How loud is the devil in your life? You shouldn't be able to come to church with Jesus and have the devil be louder than him. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't hearing me this morning. We got to adjust the volume level. Well, y'all say, what's well, plenty loud in here as it is? I understand that we do church loud, but sometimes we drown out the lack of Jesus' voice with volume. So I'm not talking about sheer volume. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus' voice ought to be the prominent voice in every service when we come together. At some moment in the service, you ought to be able to hear Jesus more loudly than you can hear your doubt. You ought to be able to hear Jesus more loudly than you ought to be able to hear your pain. 
You ought to be able to hear Jesus louder than you can hear your addiction. You ought to be able to hear Jesus louder than you can hear your legalism or your elitism or your whatever else-ism. You ought to be able to hear his voice loudly. I want to tell you this morning that signs will stay silent in this church as long as Satan is allowed to be loud. The devil's big mouth has dominated the conversation of your life for too long. The devil has a huge mouth. The Bible declares that the devil is, that he roars like, that's a key word, he roars like a lion. I think it's time for some of us to introduce him to the lion. There is a huge difference. The devil bluffs us with his volume. But what I want to say to you this morning is that the, the enemy can be silenced. If we would learn to allow Jesus' voice to erupt out of us in any moment of our life, we should be able to exert volume over him in the name of Jesus. We don't even have to have a microphone. We just take authority and shut him up. Some of you have listened to his voice so long that you're living in defeat. Some of you have bought the, the, the loud cry of the enemy that you're always going to be like you are right now. Some of you have bought the loud shout of the enemy which says you are defeated and you will always be defeated. I came to declare over, to you, over you this morning that Jesus has enough authority to walk right into your midst, right into your church service, right into your bedroom, right into your marriage, right into your relationships, right into your job, and shout over you, hold thy peace and the enemy will silence just like that and so we've got to decide whose voice is going to be louder the other thing I've discovered is this is that experiencing a sign experiencing a sign will not hurt you but not having one will that's the story here. The mo notice the man's condition. The, the writer doesn't go into great detail. It just says he's demon-possessed. But I think we would all agree that if he's demon-possessed, he's being tormented and he's being controlled and his life is in a spiral of sinister darkness, that his life is completely enveloped and wrapped up and encompassed by evil. He is undoubtedly in pain. He is in suffering. He is hopeless. There's no hope for him. His life is being controlled by an evil spirit. That is his condition. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And a sign takes place in the sanctuary. And notice what it says. And Jesus cast out the demon. The demon cast the man on the ground. He came out, but he did not harm him. I would declare to you that this man suddenly realized that the lack of a sign in his life was destroying his life. But once he experienced the sign, he was in no pain. The reason I bring that to atten your attention this morning is because I think some of you are scared of miracles. Some of you have never experienced a miracle. You've never witnessed a miracle. You think miracles are like twilight zone. zone. Do, 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 do. That's freaky stuff that they do in those crazy churches. And you are terrified. In fact, when, when I started this series, you begin to shake just a little bit. Oh, no, we're going to talk about miracles. That freaks me out. Let me tell you what you ought to be afraid of. You ought to be afraid of no signs. 
This man hadn't experienced a sign and his life is in ruins. His life is being devastated. His life is being shattered and he's never experienced a sign. If we're going to be afraid, we ought to be afraid of no signs because I got news for you. I don't have the answer for alcoholism and I don't have the answer for drug addiction and I don't know how to help you if you're at wit's end and filled with despair and I don't know what to tell you if the bank is coming after your house but I do have one solution and that one solution is Jesus and you ought to be afraid of having no sign because if Jesus walks into your life and produces a sign, it won't hurt you. Some of you are scared to death. Y'all going off the deep end here at Passion Church, talking about signs. You ought to be terrified that you've never seen one. That was this man's condition. We don't have to be afraid. Quickly, the next one is this. Your need knows who Jesus is, do you? It's interesting, I'm going to give you the little disclaimer at the front. I don't even understand what I'm getting ready to tell you. (laughs) Ever preach one of those things? I don't even understand. I can't, I've been trying to figure, the Lord gave me this and I'm just going to throw it out there and you can take it or leave it, I don't care. Uh, I am still trying to figure out this truth that I'm getting ready. Not only in this situation, but in several encounters that Jesus had with people, their need recognized who Jesus was before they did. This demon cried out, I know who you are. See, this is what the Lord said to me. Some of you have been battling sickness and depression and pain and shame and doubt and fear for years. And the truth this morning is this. Those needs in your life, they know who Jesus is. They understand the authority that Jesus has. All they're waiting on is you. If you would have this revelation and recognition of the authority that Jesus possesses, at that moment, your need would look at you and go, I've just been waiting on you. What have you been waiting on for 20 years? I would have left your life a long time ago if you would have just recognized who Jesus was. Your need knows who Jesus is. The question is, do you? The last thing I want to say to you is this. We've got to go back to the source of signs. Now, what I read to you does not reveal the source of the signs in Jesus' life. So let me just tell you that you have homework. Your homework is to go back and discover the source of his signs. It's real easy. All you got to do is backtrack. Luke chapter 4, which we're in. You go home and read verse 1. And go home and read verse 14, which I did not read to you. And I'm not going to read them to you. I will summarize them for you quickly. Because they they reveal the source of Jesus' ability to do what he does. Are you ready? Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says this, summary. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I wonder why he could work signs. Boy, if I could just get a formula. You could just give me a recipe, God. I could write it down. Then he comes back in verse 14 and it says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I'm waiting on divine revelation, Jesus. How do we get signs? What is your source of signs? He gave it to us. The revelation is this. The formula is this. The reason that Jesus had the ability to do what Jesus had the ability to do and the same ability that will give us the ability to do what Jesus did is wrapped up in verse 1 and verse 14. And that is is that we have to be full of the Spirit. See, because some of y'all are full of something. But are you full of the Spirit? 
full of the Spirit. So let me challenge you this morning. If you've ever been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then it's time for you to live up to what's living in you. Because the reality is this morning, if you've encountered the fullness of the Spirit, then signs ought to be following you because you have tapped in to the sign source. And it's not just about tongues on Sunday morning. And it's not about goosebumps. And it's not about you getting to be praised praise the Lord better because now i got the Holy Spirit. It's about the ability, this source of power that should be living in you that enables you to walk through life and to recognize the needs of others around you. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, good news, you can. It's part of the gift package that Jesus promises us and that our Father promises us. Why? So that we can put on a glow show, get our name in lights, get me a little show on TV and I'll feel a lot better. No. So I can out-gift somebody else. No. The power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you is the source by which miracles will begin to follow you. Because I got, tr- I got some truth I want to share with you this morning, and then I'll be done. I really I want to say this carefully. I'm not as concerned about whether or not people respond to an altar call after one of my sermons to get a sign. If they do, fine. But let me tell you what I really want to happen. This is my dream. I want you guys to so tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that tomorrow morning when you go to work and you sit down in your cubicle and your coworker walks in and her husband came in last night with lipstick on his collar, that the power and the peace of the Holy Spirit rises up out of you and goes over the top of that cubicle and comes down into her life and her life is changed forever and she finds hope. I would much rather see you do that than to come in here and buck and shout and never tap into the power of the Holy Spirit for anything else than that. I long for the day when one of our teenagers walks out of this place so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that they walk up and down their halls and fights stop and sickness falls off and young people find their purpose and destiny just because they walked into the room. I am longing for the day when you are walking through a store and the power of the Holy Spirit wells up in you and you don't necessarily go into some freak show right in the middle of the aisle. There's just alarms start going off and antennas go up and you begin to see people say broken, discouraged, depressed, sick, lame and you have the ability to just walk by them. The Bible says that the disciples were so anointed they walked by and my shadow goes by and they're healed. I don't have to put on a show for them. I'm so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that what's in me rubs off on them. And the only way to get that is to tap into the source of the signs. Why? Because the Bible says that it's not by might, nor by power. You don't have any might or power that can accomplish anything. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I want to say something to you this morning. If Jesus relied on the power of the spirit, do I need to complete this sentence? If Jesus relied 
on the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need that element in our life? I want to challenge you this morning. Do not grow comfortable with the enemy in your life. Do not grow comfortable just coming to church to mark time. Do not grow comfortable allowing the enemy to be the loudest voice in your life. It is time for us to tap back into the power of Pentecost and walk this thing out. What's following you? Stand with me this morning. A statement I believe is true. Listen carefully. Our ability to see signs is directly proportionate to the level of our filling. I didn't say feeling. Our ability to see signs is directly proportionate to our level of filling. How filled are you this morning? What are you full of this morning? Father, my prayer is this morning is that you would challenge us. Wake us up. We've grown comfortable with no signs, not only in our lives, but in our sanctuaries. We have grown accustomed to not seeing your hand work. We have grown accustomed to the enemy being able to be comfortable in our church services and in our lives. But today, we draw a line and we say, no, 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 no longer. The enemy's voice is not going to be the loudest voice any longer. We take authority. We establish your authority in this place and in our lives. And we ask that you take complete rule and reign over every snare, over every sick body. We pray that your authority would be established and take control over every addiction and every, every temptation. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that your power set up residence in our lives and in this church. God, I declare right now before you and everybody in this room, we will no longer be a church where people can walk in and be comfortable in their sin. They will sense the moment they walk in that their sin is broken and their addiction and their chain is broken and the kingdom of darkness gets nervous. We won't drive the person out, but it will drive the enemy out of their life. But, Father, we don't relegate that to this building. I pray over my people right now that every room they walk into, every business that they frequent, every association that they make, every acquaintance that they make, the moment they walk onto the scene, that the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost will establish authority right then, right there, and where fear reigned, and where distress reigned, and where depression reigned, and where sickness reigned, when one of my folks walks in, authority of Christ will be established in that place, and something will change. Something will be broken. Help us learn how to live up to what is living in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Right now, would you just reach out and lay your hands on your neighbor? See, I'm still waiting on a shift. I'm waiting. We're going to have corporate prayer on the 21st, but I am still waiting for a shift to take place. 
where your faith is challenged to the place that you actually believe what I'm talking about. Father, right now we pray for our brothers and our sisters. I pray that faith would arise. I pray that if one of the people that we're laying hands on right now has been filled with your spirit, but they're not full of your spirit, I pray that they would have a new encounter with your Holy Spirit and that they would be filled with authority and power. Father, if we're laying hands on somebody that does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray that over the next few days, even the next few minutes, that you would begin to feel them, that as they worship you, that as they begin to, to declare with their mouth the goodness of God, that you would fill them up from head to toe with the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can walk in power and authority and in might and that signs will follow them. And Father, if we're laying hands on somebody right now, that walked into this room bound up hurting in pain encompassed by doubt and fear and shame then I pray that right now as we pray over one another that something would rise up on the inside of us and we would establish the kingdom of God in that situation right now we take authority over sickness that we're laying hands on right now. We take authority over shame right now and declare that you're in right standing with God. There's nothing to be ashamed of any longer. We take authority over doubt right now and we declare that belief and faith is going to arise in you. We take authority over pain right now. I break every chain of addiction. I break pornography in this house. I break I break lust in this house. I break alcoholism in this house. I break every chain right now and I take authority over it in the mighty powerful all inspiring name of Jesus it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion 